How are you guys doing today? Man, there's just a lot on my heart. As, uh, as Talk to your neighbor as I'm getting ready. Just pretend. Pretend to talk to your neighbor. Before we begin, I just want to let you know there's a lot of things coming up. Make sure you grab one of these. If you don't have one in your hand, grab one as you go. We are, uh, we just know that uh, there's a lot of things coming up. We want to love our city. I, I want to thank all the people that went out and served with us at Urban Outreach this week as we served the homeless. It was just a beautiful moment. And if you have never done that before, sometimes you've got to be pushed to uh, go beyond yourselves. But we believe that... Um, that the message of Jesus goes way past us. If it stops with us, we missed it, right? If it stops with us, it's for the glory of God, which means that it's, it's to make God just like known and just like when they see God, instead of saying, man, I don't want nothing of this, but to say, what is different? What, what, I want to serve the God they serve because they're different human beings and they're living for a different purpose. I want that to be in us. I want Hill City to be known for the full gospel of Jesus Christ, not just the partial of him uh, being good for us. We are supposed to be good for the common good of our neighbor, the common good. And wherever we go, we want people to know Jesus through the lives that we live, through the words that we speak, through the family uh, that we raise, through the way that our generosity, the way we smile, the way we go through hard times that also glorifies God and is good for people. I pray that that be us. And, that, and it's not us because we want it to. It's us as we trust Jesus, like that song saying, that he is laying a firm foundation and the things that we're going through is okay because you still got us, Jesus. You still got us. Even when I don't understand, you still got me. And I, I, and I pray that that be our heart. That be our heart. And at this time, Franco is going to come up and he's going to receive the offering. Franco is one of our elders here at the church. Yeah. This is, a, this is a special moment for us uh, to be here. Um, we thank you for coming. I know the Holy Spirit is, is in this house. Um, I wanted to share something very small that happened to me this, this weekend. Uh, in our small group, we, we talk about trust. We talk about giving. And the word that was been given to me this last few days is, is trust. Trust in God. And, and trust will mean a lot of things. Trust can mean your finances. Trust can mean that your kids trust your kids. So uh, let's, let's know that God is here and, and, and God trusts you with what he has given you. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to give to you and, and to receive from you, Father God. We thank you that we trust you, Father God. We thank you that you are in charge of us. You, that you are our, you walk in front of us and you walk by our side and, and we thank you that you will take us to the place where, where you have for us. We thank you for this week, we pray for the word that is going to be shared and that your Holy Spirit be here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. As you give, you can give online. There's so many ways. Text, app, so on and so on. Uh, but we have been in this series called How to Be Rich. Say, How to Be Rich. See, we want to be rich in the things that matter most. And if you're a guest here, thank you for being here. My name is John. 
and so glad that you're here. And uh, there's a, and for the rest of us, there's little invite cards right in front of your chairs. Unless you're in the front row, then you don't get invite cards because there's no chair in front of you. But there's little cards. Everyone grab a card. And I'm going to do this all, uh, every time we get together because if we can, if each of us, each of us, each of us, uh, if each of us pass one of these cards out just once a week, we will reach over 10,000 people in a year. Think about that. Yeah, it was, it was 10,400. 52 times 200 equals 10,400. And uh, no, I'm not good at math. I did that at home. All right? Right? But we're continuing the series called How to Be Rich. And, and, and week number one, good news. You're rich. You're rich. Most of us are the top 1% in the world. If you make more than $33,000, you're top 1%. And we have access to rich people opportunities, don't we? Right? We can own our own home. That's, we, can, we, can, we can go to get our car washed by robots, right? We have all these interesting things that we have opportunities. But here's the bad news. You're rich. That's right. Jesus said it's going to be our greatest spiritual disadvantage because it's harder for us to depend on God. Our wealth can distract us from our priorities and from each other. And number three, we have a greater responsibility for much is given, much is required. Last week we talked about the inception. And the inception was this, right? Jesus knew that for most of us, our money and our stuff would be the number one competitor for our hearts. And I don't like talking about money. I don't. But I believe Jesus talked about it more than heaven. So I better talk about it at least some, right? And, and for, for, because money promises what only God can provide. And the deception is that we, uh, this is the deception for most of us. We will never feel rich. When do you ever feel it? Like, oh, now I'm feeling it, right? You never feel wealthy enough. There's always more to be had, right? And number two, we find it increasingly difficult to give big. And it's statistically proven the more you have, the harder it is to be generous. Think about that. I told the story, uh, I believe, last, uh, last week that when I was in college, I had $500 in my bank account. And my friend came. He's like, I just ran out of money. And we had, I believe, two months to go. And so I took that $500. I split it in half. I said, Josh, here's $250. And let, let's roll. Let's eat some ramen for the next two months. And that we did. We ate quite a bit of ramen. And, uh, and uh, we ate tacos on Tuesdays for $0.33 cents a piece. All right? $5 goes a long way at Taco Bell for 33 cents a piece. You can feed the whole dorm or the whole hall, which we also did, all right? But it's proven. And God's way, it, the tithe was God's way to trust God first. And it comes with a promise. And he says it. We cannot serve God and serve money. You will either love the one or hate the other. He's just telling you what happens. So here, we're on part three. It's called seek and find. Say seek and find. Have you ever played hide and seek with children? Right? The goal of playing hide and seek with children is not to hide well enough that they never find you. That would be the saddest thing, right? The goal of playing hide and seek is you hide somewhere and then you stick your leg out, right? Because you want them to find you. You're like this. You're hiding like behind the curtain with your head out. And the, and the funny thing is they're still searching. They're like, where is that? Where is that? You're like, I'm staring at you, right? It's interesting. As a good father, my goal is not to hide from my children so that they don't find me. My goal is to, is to be there and play with them so they do find me. 
Because as a father, I love them. I love the moment that they find you and the joy that comes on their face and they're smiling so big and you're like, my leg was sticking out the whole time, right? And like, look, your children can hide in the bed and it looks flat. When I hide in the bed, it is not flat. There's a giant Korean lump on my bed, right? And in the same way, I want you to know that God wants to be found by you. I'm going to give you my ending from the beginning. God desires to be found by you. As you seek him, it is not for his joy, but it is for your joy. And when, you, when you're surprised that you find God in a situation, have you, it's just like, oh, my goodness. Like you were there the whole time. I didn't see your legs sticking out. <laughs> right? And as children, that's how it is. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Everything the Bible teaches us is just to say simply at the end of the day, from the beginning to the end, God loves you. God loves you and wants to be found by you. And what we believe about God's love for us determines everything. Determines how you live. Determines how we deal with one another. Determines how we deal with stress. Because if God, if God loves you, if God loves you, then his warnings and his commands are beautiful, right? You're like, thank you for teaching me that because I didn't know that. And, and if God loves you, his warnings are out of love, keeping you from harm, leading you into joy, into new life. But if God doesn't love you, then God is trying to control me. He's taking what's mine, my time, my money, my joy. So I do his bidding. And our view of God determines how we love how we give, how we respond to life. And with that in mind, please turn to Matthew 6. All right, we celebrate the word of God because the word of God reveals Jesus and Jesus absolutely changes our lives. Now, how many of you guys regularly deal with worry and anxiety and uncertainty, right? No, they're like, not me, not regularly, just once in a while. Some of you guys don't deal with, you're like, I don't know, <laughs> right? But a worry, I, most of us, we deal with worry. There's moments in life we are so stressed out. Isn't that true? Right? What are, there's, and it, they say in a marriage, in, in marriage, what are people most stressed out about? Money. Yeah, that's right. You know when Candace and I fight the, the worst? When we're budgeting. True, right? Because I'm trying to take stuff away from her budget. And she's like, how dare you take that away from my budget? I'm going to take this away from yours. Right? Hey, don't, I'm, t I'm talking, Candace. Someone, ushers, ushers up in front, right? But when we're budgeting, right, and, and, and worry, it can, and there's moments in worry, right, when we're worrying that it helps, it makes us retreat, right? And, 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 and it makes us paralyzed, overwhelmed by our thoughts. Have you ever been overwhelmed by your thoughts, right, making you run away? And the fascinating thing about anxiety and worry is, is it might never happen. You're worried about something that hasn't happened yet or may never happen, but it's just as real as it did happen. That's anxiety, right? And it imprisons your mind and thoughts, and you start to lose sight of what's good. And you start to lose sight of God. You lose sight of the blessings in your life. You can't count blessings when you're worrying. And you start losing the sight of beauty. Have you ever, this morning I told my son, take a deep breath. And he took a deep breath. And I said, you're alive. Look at the mountains up there. God has designed every single color. How crazy is it to see the mountains and say, wow. 
and, 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 and we lose sight of the beauty right in front of us, the people right in front of us. I call it survival mode. And we've all been on survival mode, right? I like going backpacking to put myself on survival mode, except we bring so much stuff that we're eating steaks in survival mode, right? And, and it's funny, us guys, we're so lame. We'll, we'll try to start a fire with Flint, right? And then I just turn on my gas stove and I start the fire. I'm like, that took an hour. Gas stove it. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if it's raining or not. You can get heat when you have a gas stove, right, as long as it's working. But survival mode is where you're doing self-preservations. And you can hear it in your prayers. You can hear it in my prayers. And you might not pray, but you, you, you'll hear it in the things you say out loud. Man, God, if you're there, just provide for me. Bless me. I, and you start to get obsessed with the lack instead of what's already in your life. Isn't that true? It's true for me. And this is a, for the Christian, it's really easy in our worry when we get obsessed in preservation mode. We, get, we forget who God is, our Father in heaven who wants to be found by you, who wants to love you, who wants to draw you. We, we lose sight of people and we lose sight of our very soul. I've been studying a lot about the soul. And, 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 and Jesus says you can gain the whole world, yet, yet lose your soul. And immediately those who have been Christians for a long time say, oh, yeah, you can go to hell. No, he didn't say that. If he wanted to say that, that's what he would have said. He said there's a moment in life that you can lose your soul. You can lose your very self. When we start to disconnect from God, from people, and from yourself, because we can lose. Have you ever said, I'm just losing myself. You're actually your soul. You're losing your soul, what Jesus is talking about. You can live with, in, in life, have the whole world, yet be totally empty, and we see it all around us. Isn't that true? In survival mode. And you're like, why are you in survival mode? Because the soul is being lost. We're being captive by our worry. But what if right now God is up to something in your life? Cindy was talking about this. I was like, Jen, you're singing all the right songs. Cindy, you're saying the right things because I'm going to speak about the same thing, which is awesome, right? And then the gath- uh, in, in the gathering service, the service before this, we talked about, he talked about the same verses. And so I guess maybe God is speaking one giant message today for all of us who are stepping into this place. What if right now God is up to something in your life? That what you're going through and what you've been through is not a setback but a setup. That nothing that you go through will be wasted. That God will use every broken piece of our lives to make a masterpiece. And and they're going to put up that stained glass. Have you ever been in Rome or been in a place with giant stained glass windows? That's all broken glass, broken pieces that someone, a master artist, looked at and said, look what I can build with that. I believe that's God. We have broken pieces of our lives in the hands of God can become a masterpiece. Now I want to give you some context of this verse in Matthew 6. Right? I want to give you the situation of Jesus' time. It was a time of uncertainty. And you, maybe you're facing uncertainty right now. Right? Some of you guys are, are, are honestly facing un- uncertainty. Maybe you're facing survival mode. But during Jesus' time, Romans took the land. They killed the Jewish leaders. They were being taxed to death. The land was stolen from them. There was no justice. They felt insignificant and abandoned by God. And here comes Jesus, right? And you would think he's talking about uh, bad Rome. Like, don't follow the Romans. Don't do this. But Jesus starts talking about loving your enemies, living more generously. And he's like, are you serious, Jesus? Right? 
Don't be mastered by your wealth. Hold loosely to your possessions. Radly hold on to God. Think eternally and live compassionately. It seems like the very opposite of what you would natural tendency to do. But I always ask ourselves, and, and this is true, who lies to you more than you? What if the opposite of how you're feeling is the way you're supposed to be living? Because the more you hold on, it seems like the more we isolate. And the more we run away, the more we got to face ourselves. What if Jesus is right? That we, that he, what an audacious statement, Jesus, to tell me these things in this hardest time. But Jesus doesn't back down. He doubles down, challenging their reality and challenging us today. So here's my main question for you. What do you do in life? When life is pulling you away and so, pulling you in so many directions, right? And this is for all of us, Christian or not. How do you reorder your life so that you can be at peace and live without losing your soul? Your soul. And I'm going to start reading Matthew 24, 6, 24 to 34, okay? And I'm going to be quick. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Put that into your mind because this is what it's about, right? Therefore, I tell you with this in mind, don't worry about your life. What, Jesus? What you eat, drink, about your body, what you wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothes? And again, once again, Jesus here says, the idols in your life will pull you away from God, people, and yourself. You will lose your soul, right? There's a way we can gain the whole world and lose our soul, lose our humanity, the very things that matter most in becoming a shell of a person. And we've all been there. Moments when we're just a shell. We're just robots, right? Have you ever felt like a robot? Because we started to disconnect in our busyness. Or I, I want to say even busy. Because most of us, if we live, if we're alive, we're pretty busy, right? But there's moments when we're busy. I believe there's a, and I shouldn't go on this tangent. But there's a, there's a, there's a difference between bu being busy and being hurried, being busy is like there's a lot on your schedule. Being hurried is not being aware. Like, have you ever been somewhere but not really there? Right? That's being hurried because you're trying to work on something else. Or you're on your phone or maybe you're on your phone right now. You're like, what you say? <laughs> right? I'm busy, John. I'm planning my, my week. Even as we're worshiping and things pop in my mind, I'm writing my little book. Like, I definitely need to deal with this. I need I'm like, John, get your mind together. You're being hurried in worship. And maybe Jesus is speaking to us right now. Are we living so hurried? And he speaks to two areas of our worry and anxiety. First is our critical needs, like eating and drinking, worries about survival level. Will I make ends meet? Can I put food on the table or make rent? Will I find a job? Will I keep my job? Second is our non-critical wants pertaining to our appearance, reputation, and desires. Will I get married? Can I get into college? Will I make the sale? Will I ever own a home? Will I? Will I? And these are real areas, and Jesus knows this. And he asks us today, what is life all about? I want to ask you, what is life all about? As I'm showing you a picture of a creepy guy, right? What is life all about? Huge question. Is it just surviving and looking good in the process? Or is there something more for your life? Let me ask you, what is your life all about? Think about that within. What is your life about? Yeah. He, he's having a good life, folks. Yeah. 
Think about that for a moment. If I hired a private investigator like that dude up there to follow you around, listen to your conversations, get access to your visa statement and your phone records, what would they say your life is about? Your purpose, what's consuming your thoughts, what's causing your worries. I think this is really important because when's the last time you just checked yourself before you wrecked yourself, right? I'll stop there. Verse 26, sorry, that's old rap, if you guys didn't know that, ice cube, all right? Verse 26, look at the birds of the air, the goose, the sparrow. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns or banks, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of, uh, any one of you, by worrying, add a single day to your life? If God takes care of the birds, the pandas, and the geckos, are you not more important than the gecko, right? Can, you, can worry really add one more moment to your life or solve any issue? Or is worry taking you, making you go out of control? Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. Do they not labor or spin? Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, the richest king who've ever lived, in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Verse 30, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and, got, and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will not much more clothe you, his child and image bearer, O you of little faith. This is awesome. God cares about the details. Think about this. He cares about the details. He didn't need to create our world in color, and he could have just created just as perfunctory, just as something that just happens that is part of the work, right? But God cares about the details, about 20,000 species of butterflies, 270 varieties of roses, the duck-billed platypus, the rainbow, the human eyeball, every detail, every design. So if God gives that much attention to plants that were, that's here one day and will die tomorrow, what are you worried about, Jesus says? Oh, you of little faith. Worry is a faith issue. And I want you to think about it that way. Because we worry about a lot of things. And what we're actually doing is we're saying, I'll deal with this, God, and you deal with that. And God's like, what are you talking about? You, you can't even deal with that. That's why you're worrying. Bring me into this. Worry says we don't trust you enough. We think God will overlook us or doesn't care about us. Isn't that true? I remember we were talking about it in group. A lot of us worry because we come from a place, uh, we came, we grew up in, in, in a place of poverty. And so we worry. We don't want our children to face the same thing. And God's like, I got them. I got them, John. I got them. I'm worried about, I, I, I'm not worried about that because I'm God, right? And I love you. And Jesus says, I love you. I care for you to the very details of your life. So verse 31, so do not worry, saying, what shall I eat or drink? What shall, I, uh, what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, those who don't trust God, run after all these things. And your heavenly father, say your heavenly father, that's your heavenly father, right? Your father in heaven knows what you need and knows that you need them. Do you see the connection between worry and what we run and seek after, right? Isn't there a deep connection? What you worry about starts to become the object of our affection. It really does. And our attention. What we seek in life. What gives life meaning. So Jesus is saying, you're seeking the wrong thing. What, uh, once again, what is life about? 
What are you running after? You see, we can run after many things and still not do what life's about. Isn't that true? Because we're sold like you need to run after this. You're like, you're absolutely right. You need, to, you need a new car every two years. You're absolutely right. You know, like, you, and then we complicate our life. But what is your life about? I think this is a big question as, as, as a followers of Christ or non-followers of Christ. You still need to know what your life is about or you're just going to live. And at the end, you're going to say, what did I even live for? Did I even hit the goals? But as Christians, what is your life about? What are you running after? What marks your life? What do you worship? And Jesus finishes, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And you guys heard this if you've been in church for even a couple weeks. And all these things will be given to you as well, all the things you worry about. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first God's kingdom. Seek first God's kingdom. And, and, and let me define God's kingdom because you, you might hear, oh, yeah, I'm going to seek first God's kingdom. But, John, what is God's kingdom? I heard it all my life. I don't know what it means. It just means the kingdom of, hev- kingdom of God is heaven's rule and God's reign. It's on earth as it is in heaven. It's more than going to church and having a Jesus face mug in your, in your cabinet, right? It's more than listening to Caleb and trying not to cuss, at least in church, right? Right, it's it, seeking first God's kingdom means we have a king that we represent and we live for. That's what that means. So no matter where you are or what you're doing, you can live with kingdom purpose, kingdom values, and continue what Jesus started. Listen, listen, many Christians think Jesus came to forgive sin so we could punch this golden Charlie and the Chocolate Factory ticket to heaven when we die, which is vital and very, very important, but it's so incomplete. It really is. If that's it, then all these teachings of Jesus doesn't make sense, right? Jesus is just as concerned how we live now as he is in your life later. And if Jesus can get heaven in you now, heaven for eternity will take care of itself. What we seek first lines up the rest of our lives. What we seek first lines up the rest of our lives. So when we face uncertain times, we don't abandon kingdom values. No, we seek it. We say, Jesus, how would you deal with this? How do you deal with, 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 with a, a friend or a cousin that is at odds with each other? How do you live it out? How do we live this out? We don't respond like everyone else. We choose to trust God first. We bring God into the mess. And as you look after God's kingdom, he will look after yours. So yesterday I got hit by a car, right? Not, not like hit directly. My car got hit, right? And, and, uh, and uh, my, my kids were in the car, and we were in this lane, and my neck hurts right now. And I was like, hmm. I was like, who should I call? No, I'm just messing. Yeah, the strong arm, right? But I was thinking to myself, isn't it interesting that immediately I think about money? Isn't it interesting? Immediately I was like, hmm, fascinating. They're in a bad predicament. And I was thinking, God, these dumb thoughts in my heart, it's deep in there. I can play, like, uh, play up how good uh, uh, of a Christian I can be, but I, every one of us deals with these thoughts. 
Do we take care of people or do I take care of myself? Do I glorify God or do I glorify myself? And I'm not saying that if you're really hurt, take care of it, right? Take care of that. That's why we have insurance, right? But I'm saying there's a darkness in our hearts that really hungers after me, 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 mine, mine, mine. And I said it last week, we hate it listening to our children saying that at any time because everything we have is not theirs. We bought it, right? Everything you have. I tell my kids this every once in a while when they're arguing. I said, what one thing have you purchased? And they're like, we purchased some candy at Walmart. I'm like, they would. That's what we do too. Well, I did that, God, right? And you're like, all right, take that away. What one thing has a child ever gone and is, is theirs? Nothing that they own is theirs. Nothing. But God, as, as, as parents, we gladly give it to them because we love them. And what would God hold back from us? A God that loves us, but sometimes he has to hold back in our lives. Why? Because he has to make, he has to love, train us, right? He has to correct us. If you don't correct your children, do you really love them? Or do you love yourself? You just don't want to deal with it. Fathers, I know I'm going to talk to you. You come home after work, and sometimes you don't want to deal with your children at all. You just want to put on ESPN, right? And it's our way. It's my way. I'm just calling myself out. It's my way to say, I let Candace deal with that mess. Yeah, Candace is giving me the eyebrows right now, just to let you know. But I, instead of putting myself into the, this mess and saying, how can I be, how can I let the gospel or Jesus, the, the life of Christ in me, be good for the common good of my family and for the common good of others? Even now, look at your life. God has been with you this far, right? Why would he abandon you now? He who has sustained what you, he has started, right? Don't worry about the ability to sustain. Rather, seek his kingdom. And when your life is in order, sometimes we write, we write out our life, and it, this could be our bills. This could be whatever is important. Have you ever written out things that are important to you? And then God goes right at the end, like, if I have time, I'll my devotions. If I have time, I will, I will uh, do my tithe. If I have time, I will be generous. Or if I have time, I will reach out to people. Why don't we flip it? And, and, and we give that what's most important to God, first priority, and God says, don't worry, I'll take care of the rest. I'll take care of the rest. Seek first the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign in our neighborhoods, in our church, in the, in the PTA meeting, in the crazy neighbor who has way better grass than you and gives you the stink eye, right? No matter what, right? Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that we worry about. God says, I got you. I got you. I'm your heavenly father. Drink that in. We have a father in heaven. And until, that's, that, until you believe that, Christianity will not make sense. Why are these people so crazy about this Jesus? Why are we singing such loud songs, right? It will not make sense until we believe that there is a God in heaven that loves us. We are his children and we bear his image. We bear his image. Some of us in this room, we're living a life so overwhelmed, trying to keep it all together. Our finances, job, family, image, whatever. But here's the secret to life. Seek God first. He loves you. And by doing so, you are saying, you're God of my life. You're the king of my life. I put this ball into your court to complete what you want 
and what you have promised. Let's stand today. I believe God is asking us today, and let me be bold. And this, I'm speaking to the Christians right here. Is there anyone concerned about my kingdom? Is there anybody worried about disconnected people? Is anyone worried about the next generation, about the little children, the down and outers, those in despair, the neighbors and coworkers who are facing depression and divorce? Is anyone worried about my people in other nations who still haven't heard the love of God? You care for my kingdom and I will take care of yours. That's a promise. And today my goal is not to tell you not to worry. I mean, what good is that? Don't worry, Monica. You're like, thanks, John. Right? You're not dealing with my issues. That's not my goal. My goal is not to, uh, my goal is to tell you in your worry, in your seeking, in your doubt, in your, in your uncertainty, in your lack of identity, get your eyes on Jesus. My goal is not behavioral modification telling you try not to sin and fake it until you make it. You will not make it. No, seek Jesus first when you don't see it. Seek him first when you don't feel it. Seek him first when you're in this room and you feel alone and you say you're my father in heaven. And as you reorder your life and as you seek him first, the rest of your life will begin to meet up and line up to the beat of God's heart. And the rest will take care of itself. So here's what I want us to do. And if you have your phones, I'm going to put something up there. I want you to write this down or take a picture of it. And I want you to speak this tomorrow morning. I want you to speak this prayer. Yeah, get your phones out. It says, today, when I begin worrying about me, I'm going to give that worry to you and live with kingdom intention, living before the face of Jesus daily. I'm not going to allow fear and uncertainty to change my faith. I will seek you first and trust that you got me. I love that thought. Living before the face of Jesus daily. When you face whatever you're facing, when you start facing Jesus, it starts to simmer down, right? Oh, you got this. You're my father in heaven. I see your legs sticking out. I see your head above the curtains. You want to be found by me. You love me. That's the God we serve. God loves you. I know you don't believe that. I know some of you guys don't believe that. You're like, yeah, I'm supposed to say God, I love God too. I'm, that's what I'm supposed to say. No, 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 no. That's not it. God loves you. He doesn't even, it, it, it doesn't even matter if you love him. You're not going to love him first. If you don't love him back, he still loves you. That's what parents do. There's moments kids are insane. And they're like, Have you, your kids ever said, I don't like you right now. I don't love you right now. And you're like, shut up. You say you love me, right? God doesn't do that. God loves you in spite of you, in spite of you. And you might be far from God, but I want to tell you, you might not know Jesus at all. You might be in so much worry right now, but God loves you. And let that love infiltrate every part of your life. And when you can accept that love just as you are, when you can accept that love, not because you changed or had behavioral modification, you are free to love God back are free to love God back. So let's pray. See, Lord, the truth is this series is less about our stuff and money and more about removing anything in the way that keeps us from knowing and loving you, Jesus, and knowing about your love and the life that is available for anyone, anyone 
who will seek and find Jesus. If you're in this room today and you need to take just one step forward and you start, there's a sense in you, there's a, because we are, all, we are a soul, we are a spirit, there's a sense in you that there's something moving in you that's, that God is speaking to your heart, speaking to your mind, and speaking all throughout the week to know him. If that's you and you want to take one step closer to Jesus, just raise your hand and say, you know what, I want to know him a little better. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All over this room, can you put your hands down? I pray for every hand that was raised that we have something called growth track for you. We have something called groups for you. We have, we can, you can, I'll pray for you right in the front. We want to get you connected in the beginning of your faith to someone who's been walking it out. And I believe that's important for everyone who raised their hand. And for the rest of us who have, feel trapped, I pray, let the love of God set you free. Let your salvation return back to the joy of your salvation when no matter what you were going through, you were truly free because what you needed was Jesus. And I pray for those Christians who are in here, Lord God, that you would set them free by the love of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you today and as you go. Tell someone about God's love this week. Invite them into this place so they can know him. God bless you guys.